Welcome to Sustaining Craft, the podcast featuring craftsmen, artists, and people of passion. I'm here with Joshua Kurtz of D&D for Hire and Aftershock Entertainment in the greater Philadelphia area. Um, hi, Josh. How are you? Hi, I'm doing good, Liz. How are you? Good. I want to talk uh, just for a second about how we met. Uh, we were I had just gotten a job at an axe throwing place mm-hmm. to become an axe coach. Right. And you were already there. I was. Doing your yeah. thing. Um, and one of our coworkers introduced us, and she dropped in a little tidbit that you did D and D professionally. Yes. And then she tried to move on from that conversation. And you weren't having it. And I was, was like, "Wait a second! <laughs> no, just no, no. a this, minute. This man does something interesting." <laughs> yes, because it's not something that you hear of very often that someone plays D and D. I would. Professional. I would hes- I would hesitate to say, but maybe uh, maybe not ever. I don't know if I've ever heard of this. <laughs> well, you said you did a Google search too, and you found yes. maybe one other I went person. I saw a, cu- a couple people asking for questions, like asking, like, "Hey, does anyone do this?" And everyone's like, "No." And then <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> I saw one person with like a professional website who did it, who I believe operated out of Canada. I'm not sure. And it's funny because uh, Canada or not, I believe they actually took my preferred name, which was DM for hire, but. Okay. Uh, which is Dungeon Master for Hire instead. But honestly, I think D&D for Hire works better. So once I've, now that I've warmed up to it, I'm happy with it. Okay. You've kind of embraced it. So it's yes. the letter D, the letter N, the letter D. Uh, no, it is D and symbol D okay. for Hire. Gotcha. Um, perfect. So what would be like your 30 elevator uh, pitch for D&D for Hire? How do you explain that? So the idea of D&D for Hire is to bring Dungeons and Dragons to people who don't otherwise have the opportunity. And usually that winds up being uh, children who want to play but don't know how, or just even some adults who just don't have people to play with. And the idea is that you can bring them a game, and it can be one time off, it can be once a week, a recurring thing. And it's like, it's a fun experience for anyone. And if you're a kid and you want this kind of like extracurricular thing, it can be fun and an educational at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And how would you do the same thing for um, Aftershock Entertainment? Your, your oh, the 30-second elevator. Yeah. I was, was going to make it fun and educational. <laughs> 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 well, you, well, not quite, but you put on performances. You gather Yeah, so Aftershock Entertainment, uh, our mission statement is about making uh, quality theater affordable for everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's about showcasing original theater. So we have lots of like people who write their own works present through us. And uh, I write a lot of my own work and we kind of present it in that way. Uh, it's a way to get original creativity that's kind of out in the world. Regardless, it's not making anyone's living. It's This is not a job. This is a just a way to express oneself, I think. Is that a bad thing to say? It's not anyone's living. So it should not, <laughs> we should not go with that on this podcast. Don't should, tell anyone. Should, uh, I'll, I'll edit that out. <laughs> no, it's fine. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So I sat in on Monster of the Week and mm-hmm. a D&D session. Um, I've been wanting to do that for a while. I've been wanting to kind of... Uh, kind of experience this world that it just sounds exciting to me that you create a character and you go off on adventures with your friends absolutely that's what you're doing so there's this theatrical element to it in monsters of the week and can you explain what monster of the week is yeah monster of the week is another system kind of similar to dnd dnd is the by far the most popular and well-known uh role-playing system but far from the only one and um monster of the week exists in something called the powered by the apocalypse system which is a series of systems that use similar rules which are much simpler to get into and they're they're much less uh, about rolling dice and like winning the game and much more about just like telling a collaborative story together which i guess is the definition of a collaborative story so <laughs> whatever that means good job josh nailing it um, so there is kind of this connection between theater and these role-playing games absolutely 
happened. It, I just, I really enjoyed it when I sat in on both of Thank those and much. kind of saw, like, not only how you managed it and how you kind of guided the story, but how everyone uh, engaged with it and kind of embraced their characters and the decisions they had to make in the game. Because Absolutely. you're not, you're not guiding the decisions. You're just helping with consequences. No, it's it's very much like I set up the questions that they have to answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if if you picture it like a video game that I am the computer, they're all the player characters. All I know is how the world is going to respond to them. And all the problems that they're going to face is something that they have to deal with. And everyone handles that in a different way. You know, some groups of people will just attack every problem head on and that works for them. And some people want to sit back and think about it first. And it's it's a world without limits that we are creating together. Oh, it's really fun. Well, let's pull this back a little bit. I want sure. to go to the very beginning, kind of where it all started. You were a well, I was born 26 years. <laughs> Not that far. <laughs> <laughs> a little less far. Um, the moment you first started uh, D&D and um, actually became a dungeon master, you're this 10-year-old little Jewish boy living in South Jersey, <laughs> a homeschooled 10-year-old Jewish boy. That is all mostly true. I don't know that I was 10 years old. I'm sure it was somewhere around there, but yeah, okay. about uh, thereabouts. Um, you were a child. You were I was Jewish a child. child. <laughs> um, and the thing is, like, I don't think you know this yet, but I, I, this is something I had been wanting to do for a while and not realizing I wanted to do. Um, as a even younger child, um, my brother and sister and I would watch Pokemon together. And we loved the world of Pokemon. So what we would do is we would pretend that they were in the world of Pokemon and we'd do it one at a time in a game we called Unpause. And we called it this because whenever we had to stop playing, we'd say, okay, we'll pause the game for now. And then we'll unpause. <laughs> and that's how we started playing the game. So we called it Unpause. And mm-hmm. it, we these games would go on for like a year. And it would just be like whenever we could, I would be like lying in my bunk bed with my brother, him on the top, me on the bottom. We would just be talking about like, and he's like, oh, I do this and I catch this Pokemon. And I would tell him what happens in the world, not even knowing that that was a real thing. Like that, that was, I was being the game master or the dungeon master for him. Mm-hmm. So when my mom. Um, and real quick, you're the youngest. Of, I am the youngest of three okay. children. Yes. Um, so when in the library, my mother and I saw um, a copy of like the original first edition Dungeons and Dragons. I just like lit up i fell in love with this immediately i got it i learned it and i invited friends over to a birthday party to play it with me because <laughs> no one else seemed to want to otherwise um and we had a blast and i don't think it, it we we were kids we had no idea what we were doing but we were rolling dice and having a good time about it so uh it's kind of it started there um you just try to keep going you want to keep following my dnd path <laughs> did you have more questions or do you want to just... well i i I mean, you can, you can keep going. I the next thing I, I kind of want to talk about is you went from homeschool to theater high school. That is true. Yes, I was homeschooled up until uh, freshman year of high school, where I went to Gloucester County Institute of Technology uh, here in South Jersey, which was a uh, block scheduling kind of school where I would have like eighty minute classes of most things and then two hours of theater every day. And I made some lifelong friends there, and that was really cool. But it did kind of surprisingly put a halt on my D and D career for a bit. Not that it was a career back then, but uh, I couldn't really find anyone there who was interested, so I, I didn't really play much D&D throughout high school. Uh, I just kind of played with a few of my non-school friends whenever I got a chance. Um, but uh, yeah, and that, that gave me a, a ton of theater experience and is actually what taught me that I didn't want to be a an actor. I wanted to be a director because uh, mm-hmm. I wrote and directed my first musical in high school, and that was kind of my signature. I was like, wow, that was fun. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be up on stage, I want to be the one, the kind of puppet master behind it all, if you will. And you did that when you were 17? 17 years old, yes. Mm-hmm. And is that what led to the next step with the Young Americans? Um, the Young Americans was kind of an independent 
thing that happened. Uh, I would definitely say I made it in because of my experience in GCIT. Mm -hmm. um, but I was in the middle of applying for three different colleges um, when I got my acceptance letter to the Young Americans, which for the listeners who don't know is another uh, college performing arts group uh, that travels around the world teaching kids singing and dancing. And so when I got my acceptance letter from them, I dropped every other application I had. I just knew that's what I had to do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that's when you kind of started picking D&D back up again. Yes. And it took some time to get into that because I always pitched the idea. So how Young Americans works is, you know, your, your year of training where I didn't really play any D&D. And then you go on tour. And on tour, we have hours upon hours upon hours on the bus uh, traveling from town to town. So I'd always pitch to a, to a cast like, hey, you guys want to play D&D? Like I'll try to find those those fellow fellow nerds on the on the bus who wanted to play with me. And it took a few tours, but I got one to stick. And then that became the thing that I did on tour. It became like people touring with me are like, so we're going to play with D&D? &D? And not everyone. There were we, It was always a small fraction of the people. And everyone else was rolling their eyes while they were trying to sleep on the bus while we played D&D. &D. <laughs> um, but then it did happen for, I'd say, three or four tours we managed to play on tour. And it was a blast. And I got a lot of experience playing through that. We couldn't use maps or anything. We had to like roll dice into like a tin of a cookie, like cookie jar, the, the lid of a cookie tin. There we go. Uh, got it in, got it in one. <laughs> um, uh, but, but we, uh, but no, was, we had a lot of fun with that. And that gave me a lot of experience. And I knew that leaving the Young Americans, when I finally did leave, I knew like I had to find an outlet for this. I had to find a way to play D&D &D while I was home. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how did that happen? How'd you, how'd you make it happen? Um, I started working at a comic shop uh, pretty shortly after I got back and I talked to him about when I was talking to my boss about or my future boss about working there I also pitched the idea of coming and doing like a weekly D&D &D night and he agreed and we uh, started doing that and it was kind of like a pickup game at first where I would just bring in whoever wanted to play and random people to come play and then those people liked it so much that they just kept coming back every week so now we have the same seven people who show up every week to this day after about a year and a half who still play the D&D together. Mm -hmm. so it started but, in 2016. Um, that, yeah, yes. It was February 2017. 2017. 2017, okay. yeah. Um, so almost a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I was teaching. So that, that was, I, I was getting my fix. I was content. Um, and I was teaching a homeschool theater class. And I had just finished a semester of that. And I was trying to set up the next one, but I didn't have enough interest. There weren't enough kids who wanted to join in. Mm -hmm. And one of the parents contacted me. Uh, and said, hey, you know, my kids, um, they're homeschooled and it's nice to have them like other activities and for some time to get away from like their parents all the time <laughs> and for us to kind of be able to go out and like do our shopping stuff. Do you do childcare at all? And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, I, I could like babysit, but I, I'm not like like a childcare professional. I wouldn't like, I don't want to lie to you. <laughs> and they said, well, they were thinking sort of like maybe some sort of like half improv theater, half hangout kind of thing. And I said, well, that sounds like D&D &D to me. <laughs> so I emailed her back and sort of gently pitched the idea of like, well, what about like if I did some tabletop role playing, which is the formal term for D&D. &D. Um, and I very gently and carefully pitched it as a creative and in kind of, uh, educational things. I had no, no idea what I was doing at this point. And I got an email back saying, are you talking about D&D? &D? My boys love that. <laughs> so that sort of started my first group and she started paying me to come play D&D. &D. And that was working so well. I'm like, you know what, where's the harm? And I blasted the message out to a couple of homeschool groups. And uh, within a couple of months, I had five um, weekly running groups of Dungeons and Dragons uh, with about 22 kids in total, uh, all playing D&D &D and all loving it. 
And that's the majority of your income at this point. Yes. Um, majority of my income does come from D&D. And some of them are taking some breaks for the summer. But once the summer ends and we pick back up in the school year, it will be again. But, uh, I mean, it's the price for, for children uh, who are near enough to me, for me to drive to is uh, $15 per kid per session. So when you factor that into, like, 22 kids, $15 a session per kid, that's that's a decent amount. It's not, like, mm-hmm. a living yet, but it's the best – It's enough to keep me alive in my parents' basement. So one step at a time. It's still very much in its infancy. The actual business side of this is maybe a year old at best, and it's been growing. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping to keep it going that way. And you just kind of formalized it under this specific name yeah. as a business. Um, I figured I might as well make it official. So D&D for hire. I knew it was going to be something for hire. Um, I, I just like the ring of it. I Maybe this guy got DM for hire stuck in my head, but mm-hmm. I really do like D&D for hire now. So that's a... My official thing it doesn't have a website yet, but it has a Facebook page um, with information about the deals. I again mainly am expecting to run for kids, but I will also do like birthday parties and corporate team building stuff. Uh, so, well, I'm I'm open to whatever. I will play D and D with anyone who wants to play D and D. So why did you? So you kind of um, you have some different supplemental things, but D and D is kind of your main thing. Why did you choose to kind of to go this unconventional route? Um, I. I've had a couple of opportunities in my life to get a job that would keep me supported and just mm-hmm. keep me like alive. Mm-hmm. Finding a, a living job wouldn't be difficult. I've often been told that I would be a great masseuse and I mm-hmm. had an opportunity to go to massage school and become a massage therapist, which is a very lucrative career. Um, well, comparatively at least. <laughs> um, and uh, the thing is, the thing that always holds me back from these is uh, I think it started when I was working at Panther Comics, um, which is the comic sh- store I still work at now and then. I realized, like, I'm not going to be happy doing something I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would own the jobs I would get, the kind of odd jobs here and there, were all jobs that, like, really made me excited to go to them. And if I wasn't excited to go to work every day, I knew I wasn't going to be happy. I'd rather be skirting along, like, making the bare minimum doing something I love than being comfortable financially in a situation I'm not happy with. So I. Mm-hmm. As long as I have these doors, as long as uh, there are continued to be ways for me to do this, I will always pick something I love over something that will make me money. Mm-hmm. And this does both. Yeah. And you have the skill set, too. So we're talking about it's kind of a particular skill set of having the homeschool background, mm-hmm. theater, um, group management. Even with being an axe-throwing coach, you learned that, but also with the Young Americans. Yes. I... Sorry, finish the question. <laughs> <laughs> and then being able to work with kids, which is its own particular skill. Mm-hmm. I think that some people don't always realize how difficult that can be while still being fun. Um, and then all this experience of when you were a kid of learning how to manage a world and how to provide these different um, things that could happen. So mm-hmm. all of that has kind of come together for Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Uh, I would say I definitely got the start as a kid, but I think the the reason this works at all, I credit almost entirely to the Young Americans um, because working with groups of kids is what we did. And, like, I learned so much about children and how to talk to them, how to work with them through that group, through that experience. Um, I've got so many just stories of these different kids I worked with. And I've traveled all over the world and realized, you know, kids are – all pretty much the same. Not like in the grand scheme of things, obviously everyone's different, but like kids are kids. All kids, they, they want to play, they want to have fun, they, they're carefree, they're usually much more open than adults tend to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you if you know how to talk to kids, you can have a blast with them. It's, it's a great time. Like I, some of my kids that I play with, I have more fun than when I play with my adult groups. They're just, mm-hmm. the, the, one of the examples I always give is, you know, everyone plays different. Like one of my groups of kids just like 
charging his dungeon after dungeon and just fights monsters, and they're just so excited to get to that next uh, action encounter. And one of my groups of kids spent an hour and 15 minutes arguing with a pixie. So <laughs> it goes both ways, but it's it's a lot of fun. You've We've talked a little bit before about your time in the Young Americans yeah. and some of the friendships that you've, you've made there, mm-hmm. um, even with some really young kids. Uh, would you like to share any of those stories? Yeah, um, there's so many stories to choose from. Um, but I think uh, one of my favorites is I was in England, and we were at this school, and I was working with the kind of um, – so there's three different – like we break the workshop into three age groups. Mm-hmm. And it's the like youngest, which is like 10 and below, uh, like 6 to 10 years old. Then we have like the – middle schooly like 11 12 year olds and then we have 13 and up uh and the middle schooly 11 and 12 year olds are always the the most rambunctious ones because they they're just starting to realize that they care what people think about them mm. and they're not like yet not secure enough in themselves to like accept that yet so <laughs> they're kind of the they're trying to impress everyone and they just want to do what they want to do and they know everything and so this school i was at was particularly rambunctious and there was this one kid who was like the leader of the pack and we were trying to teach him these dances and he was just running around playing tag and pushing people and doing whatever and no one could get him to calm down we were all trying being very polite very nice and uh, i just realized i'm not sure if i can tell this story or not but i'm telling it anyway <laughs> because this kid comes up to me and gives me a little a shove mm-hmm. and just gives me a nice push and it's, it doesn't do anything. He, like I'm huge and he is a kid. Mm-hmm. He was like maybe four feet high. And I said, you know what? Fine. He wants to play. I'll play. And I shoved him to the ground. Uh, I pushed it just and he popped right back up and laughed and like ran away. <laughs> and we were best friends for the rest of the workshop is the thing. So like he would come up to me to play because he knew I would play back yeah. and I would and we would play. So whenever it was an important part, uh, he would he would stop and I would stop and be like, hey, listen, we need to pay attention right now. We'll go back to playing in a second. And he would. And he would just lock right in and he would focus. And so would all of his little friends. Mm. So the whole pack followed. And then when it wasn't time, like, I would, I would like, he would charge at me. I would grab him and flip him upside down and be like, hey, why aren't you paying attention? Come on. And he'd be, like, laughing the whole time. He's like, you got to listen. They're trying to teach you a dance. As I'm holding him upside down, of course he can't pay attention. <laughs> and by the end, I couldn't trust this kid with anything. Mm-hmm. So there was one point in time where I was on the left and the, like, the kids were getting ready to enter and they needed a cue. Like, we're, we're all, the young Americans are in amongst these kids and leading them. Mm-hmm. And I needed to go to the other side of the stage to help something. So I'm, I went to this guy. I'm like, hey, listen, can you lead this line on for me? Like, you watch me from the other side. I'll point to you and you need to get the line going. He goes, yeah, okay. And I walked over and he didn't take his eyes off me for a second. Mm-hmm. And I got to the other side of the room and just like getting ready to go. And I gave him the signal and he goes, hi, everyone go. And he like, just like mm-hmm. immediately like young American up and just got everyone on stage and it was mm-hmm. perfect. And so by the end of it, not only was he like the most efficient and like the best at this just because I'd made friends with him, but like he was the first one crying in my arms as uh, we had to leave and move to the next town. Each workshop's three days long. So when we finished, he was just weeping and uh, I actually got to see him the next year when I went back to England. It was the best reunion. There was a moment because he was kind of like going through puberty. So he had grown like six inches and I had a bigger beard this time. So we like had to take a second when we saw each other to like, is this the right person? And we just like, (laughs) oh, such so nice. It was such a good reunion. It was really sweet. That is really sweet. What a good story. Thank you. And that seems to me like the power of theater or tabletop gaming is that you can build these relationships that are meaningful. Absolutely. And that impact you. It brings people together. It's the stories mm-hmm. and the interaction in the community. Absolutely. Um, even in a more recent kind of a uh, situation, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Kim and Jake, are people who two of the seven people who play with me every weekend or every week. 
Um, and we like all knew each other or I knew Kim and I was introduced to Jake. Like we knew each other sort of. And I posted a status when I first started doing this. I'm like, hey, come play D&D with us. And I saw Kim like the status and I'm like, got one. And I just <laughs> messaged her right away. And so she came and brought Jake and the two haven't left. And now we're like best buds. We haven't like we never hung out before this uh, mm-hmm. except for like an occasional like event in passing. So it's really cool that like it, it really does. It brings people together. Mm-hmm. So talking about some of the benefits there um, for both yeah. theater and D and D, what are what are some of the challenges you've faced with D and D? I mean, this the challenge is the stigma around it. That's the mm. biggest thing. Is like it's very hard. To, there's two sides of things because twenty years ago this wouldn't have been possible, right? Um, and maybe twenty years from now it'll be much easier. I'm kind of in the weird middle ground because. If you go way, way far back, there's this stigma of like, oh, it's devil worshippers and it's Satan's game and it's it's all this bad stuff. And nowadays people don't believe that anymore, but also people don't really know what it is and anymore. it's been around for a long – it's been around since the 1970s. I believe that is correct. Yeah, it's been around for a while and um, it's it's not – popular yet and there's a lot going into helping make it popular like there's a uh, critical role is a very popular D podcast mm-hmm. tens of thousands of people watch that um even little things like it's cameo appearance on stranger things mm-hmm. that's a lot of kids like i've had a lot of kids uh or not a, a lot but a couple of kids will literally come in and be like they they came to my group because they were excited about D from stranger things mm-hmm. um so like it's doing a lot to help that but the challenge is getting not only kids interested but getting parents to realize that this is a good thing for their kids this isn't just a game this is something that's going to benefit them and be something that's uh, educational and helpful and uh, positive for them and it really is because it builds social skills and it lets you interact face to face which i think is the easiest sell i have because it's your kids will get off their phones off their computers Mm -hmm. and they will play with other kids in person doing Um, something that's pretty wholesome and helpful in, in a lot of ways besides mm-hmm. the social interaction as well. It is. Another challenge is that the content of D&D does lend itself to a more violent nature. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of battle, a lot of combat, and mm-hmm. it doesn't need that. Right. Uh, you can use it, and some mm-hmm. kids and some families love that, and mm-hmm. it's it makes it more challenging and more fun. But for the kids that are less into that kind of thing and the parents that want less of that, it's something that you can mold it away from that, though it's not designed to be molded away from that. It has options for that, but it's meant to be a blend of all of them. So for the groups that are less like combat oriented and less like they want it to be more of a kind of peaceful problem solving kind of thing, that's difficult but doable. That's one of the one of the challenges as well is making sure the content is appropriate for all ages. So you've got a lot of moving parts in your life. Uh, that's, that is an understatement, <laughs> but yes. Yeah. What are some daily habits you've taken on to kind of make sure that you, you're doing everything you need to do, that you're continuing to grow the things you need to grow and stay on track? Um, it's the dumbest thing, but I have a Word document on my computer, which I never close. Uh, and this is my sort of digital planner, and I go through to make sure it's always always uh, – at least a week or two in advance and sort of like these are the things I have to do for the coming week. So whenever I have meetings with my family or my theater people about like the theater stuff we need to work on, that goes on the list. If I have a D&D group I need to fix up or if I realize, you know, I need to start more D&D groups up, it goes on the list. And as soon as it's on the list, I know it's going to get done. That mm-hmm. Having that like sort of organization helps me drive myself to get things done. That's great. And what advice would you give to someone who's trying to find ways to do the things that they love? Uh, do it. And that's the dumbest, like, oh, just do it. Like, I'm Nike, and I'm going to tell you to just do it. Um, but no, but seriously, because, like, so many people get caught up thinking that you can't do something. Mm-hmm. And 
honestly, I would have gotten caught in that too if I didn't get the perfect storm of amazing circumstances. But if I can find a way to make Dungeons and Dragons a living, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you can find a way to do like, what do you, you, you basket weaver, make it work. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I guarantee you there's some desire or need. You're not the only one. You're not alone in what you like. And if you have a, a thing that you love to do or a special skill that you think is useless, I guarantee you there's a use for it. It's just don't give up on trying to find it because someone's going to yeah. love it. Talk about it all the time. Talk to people. You'd be amazed what you'd find people like. And there's easy ways to break that down, too. Um, maybe don't start your own theater company right away. Maybe but, don't do that. But maybe develop a hobby and build that into your daily routine yeah. or your weekly routine. Of, this is a hobby I really like to do. And then maybe it, it never becomes something that brings in money, but maybe it does. And, Absolutely. And maybe, maybe that just that habit of, of doing it over and over again and saying this is something I can't let go, this is important to me, that can lead to, to things that you don't expect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just in the grand scheme of life. Yeah. Well, talk to me a little bit about your future goals. Where do you, you want to see things? Like? Um, that's kind of tough. For a long time, I believed I wanted to move out of the country, and I still kind of do. Um, mm-hmm. I've spent so much time touring the world, I'd like to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But I also am aware that moving this business is very hard. It's not mm-hmm. like I... Even like when I was in theater, it's one thing to go to find another theater somewhere else in the world. But mm-hmm. like I want to go and find a new group of kids that I've never met before and start playing D&D with them. That's kind of a tough sell. Mm -hmm. Um, But at some point, I would like to find a way to move away. So I think in the near future, I want to expand my D&D business as much as I can. I would love to get that to a point where I can start training other dungeon masters and kind of delegating that a little bit. Uh, I would love to uh, spread it around a bit, get more groups going to the point where I can still be running the groups when I want to and when I have the time, but I have other people who can manage it. And I guess that could be my next step as well. So if I do eventually get enough of it going that it can sort of support itself and I can just manage the content and the marketing and stuff like that, then I can move somewhere else and start it up there too and spread it around. Um, I think it's definitely my my biggest focus right now. Like my, I love my theater company. I will keep doing theater probably till the day I die. But I think at least as far as making a living goes, my D&D has to become my focus. That's great. Um, what do you have coming up? Um, coming up, I have um, more D&D as always. <laughs> um, but as the theater life goes, I currently have a show in rehearsal called Wildest Fantasy, which is the most ambitious project I've ever taken on, and I'm nervous even just speaking it out loud. <laughs> um, but depending on when this podcast goes, it might even, if this podcast goes up before this happens, uh, in downtown Hamilton, the first weekend in August is the New Jersey Fringe Festival, and the Wildest Fantasy I'm rehearsing is in that. We have seven performances. It's a lot of fun. It's a genre-bending mashup of an action-adventure weird piece uh it's very hard to explain in polite company um but it's a lot of fun and there's about six fight scenes um we're gonna have an incredible soundtrack with a staff of nine people and a cast of 13 uh and we're all very very excited about the production Uh, we just had our first run through of the show recently and it was it was awesome um just an awesome amount of talented people in the cast uh so if you're in the hamilton area in south jersey you want to come check that out that would be awesome (laughs) And I did have the pleasure of reading Wildest Fantasy, and it was very well written and fun. Oh, um, thank you. So that should be a good show. I hope so. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, I think I think we, we covered a lot. I think, I think I'm okay. I think we did. <laughs> no more. All right. Let's talk about how people can find you again. Uh, D&D for Hire. Yep. So D&D for Hire is on Facebook as D and symbol D for Hire. Um, just that search that you'll find it uh, Aftershock Entertainment also has a Facebook page just Aftershock Entertainment on Facebook uh, and also AfterShockEntertainment.org or at AfterShock Entertainment for Instagram perfect 
Well, thanks, Josh, for taking the time to chat with me today. Again, I've been speaking with Joshua Kurtz of D&D for Hire and Aftershock Entertainment in the greater Philadelphia area. Um, find him on the places that he just mentioned if you'd like to learn more. Thanks, friends. Thank you. Bye. Sustaining Craft is produced by Elizabeth Silverstein and is a project of Hue and Weld, storytelling for craft businesses. This podcast would not be possible without audio editing and the musical intro by Joshua Kurtz of Aftershock Entertainment and the logo by Morgan Elaine of The Inkling Girl. And here's your tip of the week. Find a way to get organized. Starting a business or juggling multiple projects or hobbies or crafts can be tricky. Maybe use a document on your computer like Josh, or maybe you write everything down in a notebook, or maybe use your phone. Explore and find ways to keep track and utilize the method that works for you.